RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. latest episode of the rap game podcast i'm your host raymond parts the third better known as rp3 and man it's time to bring on an old friend here to the podcast we have yet to do this and uh we got plenty of stories to share many of them involving being hashtag southland strong it's my good buddy, <laughs> the one and only, from the Lake Charles American Press, the Minise State Beat Reporter extraordinaire, the one and only David Barry D. Good day to you, sir. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing really, really well today. It's uh, you know we're we're almost we're almost at the weekend, even though these days are kind of <laughs> running together now. The last few months, but. Uh, Nah, man, I'm good. I'm glad to be on the podcast, man. It's, it's. I feel like it's a, uh, a long time coming. Long time coming, man. I feel you feel you feel you have some hostility towards me because I haven't had you on here sooner. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say it, but you know, it's one of those like uns- uns- unspoken things. But nah, man, I always I always love coming on. You know, when when you're doing the radio, I liked it better when you were uh, when, when you weren't. Starting in the in the wee hours of the morning, you know. Uh, but, you're not uh, the only I'm one. Not a morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, saying, like I, I I don't know how you do it, man. I really don't. I, I don't either, man. I've been doing the morning show, the six to nine show, for uh, more than a year now, like fourteen months, fifteen months. And I still struggle every day. I wake up and I go, man, I got to, oh, I got to get up out of bed. I got to get dressed. That's way too early. Like it's still dark yeah, outside. That's the thing. Like I remember, so like you know, we'll get into a lot of it. But like before I came to the American Press, I was working as a high school football coach and uh, and, a, and a substitute teacher for a few years. And I tell you what, man, like if I ever became a high school football head coach, I would you I would not be the one that's like yo, we're practicing early in the morning. Like I'll be that late night guy. I'll be like, tell your parents we're gonna be out here. Until like eleven o'clock, you, you guys should do whatever you want in the morning. But yeah, I, that morning thing, man. I remember every time I tried to wake up to go to school in the morning or for workouts or for school or whatever, it was just, oh my god! I was like, how do I? Why? Why? What am I doing? <laughs> but, no, I make poor decisions in my life. <laughs> Well, D, let's go back, man. We, we've known each other for oh man, it's 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 years now, brother. Uh, you were on the staff at the Beaumont Enterprise over in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, you guys didn't have a sports editor, <laughs> and I was hired to be the sports editor, man. Be honest, man. You can tell the people this is all about honesty here. What'd you think of your boy? When I came in to take over as the sports editor at the Beaumont Enterprise, you're like, "What is this guy from Louisiana doing here?" <laughs> well, you know what? Let me tell you something. I remember. So we talked about we talked about this uh, on that long trip up from uh, from Louisiana up to Nashville last year. But 
I remember that was my, my the Beaumont Enterprise was my first professional job out of college, and I got that job in October of 2012. And when I got the job, you know, I was like, "Hey, cool! I'm never I'd never been to Beaumont before, but I was like, cool! I'm I'm excited starting my journalism career." Well, three months later, the sports editor that hired me. Uh, he left. He actually, I believe he's, he's in New Orleans now, still there, uh, Chris Dade. And I, it, that was that was tough just from the standpoint of, man, I didn't have anybody. Like, you know, it was my first time being in a daily, a daily newspaper setting, and I just, I didn't really have the leadership. I, I didn't know what was going on, so... Yeah, that first uh, that first year or uh, just under a year, that was it was pretty frustrating. I remember kind of thinking like, man, maybe journalism isn't for me. Um, and I was, you know, I love journalism, but I was like, yeah, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I should you know, look into something else. Uh, so when you came, I was actually very, I was relieved because we had uh, we had Mike, you know, obviously he are. He was our desk guy, our copy editor, and layout guy. <clears throat> he was working as kind of the de facto sports editor at the time, um, but he had so much on his plate that he really wasn't, you know, working as a, as a true sports editor. It's kind of just like the placeholder. So yeah, when you came, I I was actually happy. You know, I was like, I didn't really, you know, obviously didn't know much about you, but I was very happy when you came because I was like, look, we have somebody. Which here is going to be our our boss, you know, um, for sports, not just somebody that has their their hands in a lot of different, you know, uh, cooking pots. So yeah, <clears throat> I was actually really happy. Like, there's not that's not even me. Just you know, I'm not saying it to to pander because I'm on I'm on the uh, podcast. Like, not not, not to worry. Really I, I just I, I just went ahead and randomly sent you twenty dollars via PayPal. So that's not nothing going on there. <laughs> Nothing going on there. You know, well, I'm, but, wait, I'm still a, I'm, I'm still a journalist, so I can use I use I can use that twenty dollars. Oh, I know, brother. I know. You know what? What interesting. You can give perspective. In look, I covered high school football in Central Louisiana, and then I come to Texas, and it's a completely different ball game. And I know you you were there as well. You were one of the lead high school writers on staff when you and I worked together. But you've also, you know, you're originally from Florida. You've went to school in uh, Chicago, and there you are in Southeast Texas. And people don't. I try to explain this to people. D, you've worked in Southeast Texas. You've also worked in Northern Alabama. You've worked in Florida, and you've worked there now in Lake Charles. And your primary job is the McNeese State beat writer. But you also help out with high schools. How much of a difference is it just simply driving on I-10 from Lake Charles in Louisiana to what goes on there in southeast Texas at Port Arthur, at Port Natchez Groves, at Nederland, at, at, everywhere in that area? It, it is a drastic difference. At least that was my perspective as someone who's worked in both states. Huge difference when it comes to high school football. You're, you're 100% right. I, I was actually shocked. Um when I figured it out, when I when I saw it, because at first I was like, well, you know, it's the same area. Yes, it's different states. I'm like, it's the same area. It can't be that much of a difference. But it is. Like, you're talking, you know, everything. In, talk, in terms of resources, it's different. 
in, t- in terms of fan support is different. I've covered games between some of the biggest teams in the in Southwest Louisiana, and you may get you may get a sellout. I've gone, you know, I've covered games, you know, I covered Mid County Madness between Needleland and uh, Port Nature's Groves. That is a guaranteed sellout, and not just a sellout. That's a game where if you're not at the stadium or if you're not trying to, if you're not riding down to the stadium at least an hour to an hour and a half before kickoff, you're going to have to walk a little ways. Um, it's a staggering difference in, in like I said, to, to be so close, it really is a staggering difference. Like, I would, there's teams probably, smaller teams, in Texas, like I would say a West Orange Stark. I mean, think about West Orange Stark, maybe closer to some schools in Louisiana than some schools in Southeast Texas. Like, it's crazy, but West Orange Stark at its peak would probably come into Southwest Louisiana and be educated. And same thing with a team like Newton. Newton, kind of 3,000 people. But they pump out Division One prospects on the regular. They would come into Southeast uh, Southwest Louisiana and beat a lot of teams. And it's just because it's it's not just the talent; it's the coaching, like it's the it's it's the community. Like, and it's, it's football twenty four seven three sixty five over there. That's the little bit of the difference. Like I remember the first you even told me one of the first conversations we had. The first game I covered, the first Friday night we worked, I went and covered the the Port Natchez Groves game at home and you told me like man you need to get there like two hours beforehand and i was like two hours beforehand which first of all texas is over there kicking off later than anyone some games are seven some are seven thirty some are eight and i'm like what do you mean two hours it's just a high school football game bro and i get there an hour and a half and i have to park two miles away and i'm media like and the place is packed, and they like they raised all the money, the tax money themselves, to build the stadium that was nicer than some college college stadiums, D three, D two schools that I'd been to. And I was like, "Whoa, this is a whole other beast over here, man! Just total different yeah. mentality." It is like I remember. So the first when you're driving when you drive into Louisiana, either the last stadium before you get into Texas or the first stadium when you drive into Louisiana is Benton High School. That's correct. And uh, it's a it's a it's a nice it's a, you know it's a nice little stadium. It's I think Benton's two A. But um listen, I'm like I've seen stadiums in what would be three A, I guess, in Texas. I'm like, they would just like a, a team like Woodville, they have they're nice they're nice stadiums, man. Like like you said, the the stadium for like a three A or a two A in Texas would probably be equal to like something like Lagrange here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good stadium, but definitely, you know, once you get to those bigger stadiums, it's crazy. And I actually remember the second game I ever covered in in Texas was Portland Groves. They played the old Ozan, uh, which combined with Central and now is Beaumont United. But I was it was at PNG. And I remember, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm coming from Florida. Stadiums are not high school stadiums aren't that nice. I was in Illinois. High school stadiums aren't that nice. I get to PNG Park. I walk in the stadium. I go and I check in. Tell the lady I'm with the media. She says, "Okay, the elevator is back that way." I said, "Pardon, the <laughs> elevator?" 
It's a, the elevator. She's like, yeah, the elevator goes up to the press box. I was like, okay. So I get in the elevator, go up, put my stuff down. I'm like, this is probably one of the nicer press boxes I've ever seen. And then a lady comes in and says to me, um, hey, if you want some, if you want some food, it's on the, it's on the uh, next floor up. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, I wonder what they have. Probably nothing. You know, usually a lot of high schools, if they even have food, will be like, you know, maybe some, you know, those sandwiches they get from the deli. Or, at, or uh, pizza. Or something. Yeah, or a pizza or something. Well, I go up there. It's gumbo, white rice, uh, hush puppies, sweet tea, and there might have been like some dessert there, maybe. But like, I remember those things. And I was like, um, I was like, am I, is this mine? Is this, is this for us? You know, I was like, I was like, is this, I don't know. Can I take, can I take? And they were like, yeah, take, you know, take as much as you want. So, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's just different. It's different. High school football in Texas, it's like, it's just different. Um, the resources, you get in Texas are different than anywhere else. Like you, you're not gonna get like you, like you said, stadiums packed with six, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand people. Um, just, I mean, people really care. Uh, you remember how you remember how it was writing, you know, writing stories. It's like if you didn't cover a team or if you covered a team too much, they were gonna let <laughs> let us hear about it. So. um in particular, let me hear about it, David, is how that would work. Why aren't you covering our team? Why do you hate our children? I'm like, no, no, we're, we're going to come out to you next week. Just calm down. It's going to be okay. We hate, we hate everybody. That's the thing in the media. Is like, technically, you're so, technically, you hate everybody, which, you know, somehow means you can't, you can't hate everybody, but somehow that's how the fans will, will twist you. Haters are going to hate, D. Haters are going to hate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never lie. We can spend a whole hour talking about high school football and swapping war stories there, brother. But I want to talk about our bond through the Southland Conference. Southland Strong hashtag. Hashtag Southland Strong, rather. Now, I'm going to say this. I enjoy covering the Southland Conference, and I've covered – Southland Sunbelt in the SEC as a, as a beat reporter. First beat I ever did was Northwestern State in the Southland Conference. So I got familiar with the conference, and it was the first college football that I got to cover, college athletics that I got to cover on a regular basis. So I loved covering Lamar, and I did it for the one full calendar year, and then we made a change because we would cover – Lamar there in Beaumont with two people. We had a two-person uh, two staff, and then you joined me for the second year starting with football, and Ray Woodard was the coach there, and they had just brought the program back, you remember, and people were still excited about it. We'd do special game day wraps around the newspaper, and they, they'd get a good crowd. Even though they were just an average team, they would get good crowds there, and it was just a very unique experience because – you knew everyone else that was covering the team, uh, a little bit, you know, smaller press box. I love the fact that you could see the chemical trains coming behind the stadium because the way the stadium's built on the back end of it, you see the train tracks coming through. So a train would come through during an actual game. Um, 
but there was enthusiasm about it. I don't know, man. I enjoyed covering Lamar and covering the Southland Conference. I, I did, I, I did, I did a lot, and you know, you and I did it together. But I enjoyed it, man. I, I had a blast covering Lamar and covering the Cardinals and, and what they were able to do. Yeah, Lamar. It was fun. Like I, I agree about the covering the Southland. The thing about the Southland is, is you're not. It's, you know, obviously, you know, covering the SEC is like you're gonna. You can write a story, but how many or more people are going to write a story that's the same or similar? When it comes to be, when it comes to the Southland Conference, you, the team you cover may get some attention, like early in the season or like in the preseason, and they, you know, be like the Streets and Smith and the Athlons and everything. But when it comes to like during the season or like breaking news, generally speaking, it's going to be you the person covering it and you have you have a better opportunity to tell unique stories covering a southland team than you do an sec team because you're going to have better access more access and not everyone is trying to elbow their way in to find a unique angle i mean really you you're there's going to be what the one local newspaper reporter and then some tv guys and maybe a radio person that's usually it when it comes to the southland conference yeah, yeah, you're not gonna get like Beaumont was kind of not eh, not bigger, a little like a little bit bigger because you know they you know also you had the Port Arthur News that was seeing somebody, uh, you had like what two TV stations, but like that was that's a big. I mean, if you think about how crazy that is, that's a bigger contingent when it comes to covering a soccer team because once you get into the bigger cities. Southland teams don't get as much attention like a Houston Baptist is way down in the pecking order of teams that are covering in Houston. Incarnate Word had its run in 2018 where it got a little more coverage than normal, but still you're talking about being behind the Spurs, uh, behind UTSA, even behind the Cowboys, and probably UT as well. So yeah, when it comes to covering like teams like Lamar and Minnesota, you are that person. The people have to come to you, um, which is I, I like it because you get a certain sense of you know. There's people like you said it earlier. Haters are gonna hate, but the thing that's kind of satisfying is when you know that they have to come to you, whether they like you or not, to get information. Because it's like, if, well, if they don't get it from me, um, they're gonna have to get it from you know somewhere else, and who knows how credible the, uh, the source is. And I'll tell you something, you know, you may not like me, but you, you look, my stuff's credible. Like I, you know, and I'm, and I'm a person that will admit when I'm wrong. So if something was wrong in a story, I'll own up to it. But my stuff is very credible, but um, yeah, I love covering this conference because it gives you a chance to make your own name and, and find your, find your voice. Um, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing. And you get to, you know, you get to travel and you see different places. Like, I, you know, if I didn't work covering I me, mean, if I didn't work in the Southland, you know, I mean, I can't honestly say that I would have ever been to a place like Natchitoches, Texas, or, or Natchitoches, Louisiana, Natchitoches, Texas. Always confused those two. Hate it. Um, you know, I would, I would have never been to a place like Hammond, Louisiana, Thibodeau, Louisiana, um, you know, probably would have never gone to a place like Huntsville. Definitely wouldn't have gone to a place like Abilene. It's just too far out. But, um, 
Yeah, man. I, I, I really enjoyed covering it. And, uh, you know, Lamar was a good, we, we were, we were at Lamar for a pretty, uh, an interesting time. Like you said, it was young. Uh, the season that we, the, the main season I remember was 2014, that year where, uh, they were, they were good, but played kind of a soft schedule. So that's why they weren't really considered for the playoffs. But, um, you know, we had good old, my namesake, Caleb Berry. Uh, no, yeah. You could always, you never, you always, we always look, you remember it. Like we would look at a game and we'd say like, oh man, I don't know how well he played. And then you looked up and you'd have like 315 yards and three touchdowns. So yeah, man. <laughs> you know, covering Lamar and just the Southland as a whole, it's definitely, it's, it's, as far as being a beat reporter goes, it's about as intimate as you can get. And, and that's the thing, David, that, you know, I remember being on that Lamar beat and, uh, I, I sent you to go cover, remember, I sent you to go cover Lamar at Texas A&M. And because that was that was the game right before the birth of my daughter, and I wasn't going to do that to my wife. Um, plus, I I like being married, so because <laughs> you know that would have been that that would not have been a great situation. Um, but you know, I, I remember going through, and you've covered, you've been able to go to a lot more road games and road contests and see the other ones. But I remember going to Sam Houston State and covering that game. And the thing, you know, things that stood out to me going to home of Thibodeau to cover Nichols, and that was before they were able to kind of turn things around. But just, you know, how excited they were that other media was coming to cover the game. It, you know, it was it, – there, there's a level of appreciation when it comes to that or going to Hammond or going up to, uh, to Natchitoches from the Southland Conference schools, even the opponents. I remember – and that was during the run for Sam Houston when I went where they were going to back-to-back championship games but lost. And I was thinking that this place is going to be absolutely packed. And it wasn't. And it was like an afternoon kickoff. And I looked around. And I was like, why aren't there people? And they're like, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're more focused on high school football. But it's interesting because it is, you know, old school 1AA FCS level football. But it's good football. But to see how excited Nichols was for you to come or southeastern Louisiana or northwestern state or, you know, and then going to, throughout the Texas schools as well. And it's just like, it was, it was always interesting. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I probably wrote some of my best game stories and wrote some of my best stuff as a reporter covering teams in the Southland conference. I, when it comes to the Southland, there's the, the, the thing about the fans that's interesting is, it's it's always going to be tough for Southland teams because of a few things. In Texas, it's high school football and and the bigger teams. So you're talking about your your local high school team, but also that will also play on a Saturday, which is an issue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you're talking about hey, do I want to watch Sam Houston State play, or do I want to watch Texas or Texas A and M? Um, also, in, in Louisiana, it's not so much the high school, but you know what I'm about to say. It's LSU. It's LSU. So when it comes the to... The enormous shadow of the purple and gold, yes. So, I've, I mean, and it happens a lot where McNeese, if a game, like, if, say McNeese kicks off at six, 
and uh, LSU maybe kicked off at the you know the two thirty game, like or even I would even push it back. Say say LSU kicked off at like four. Those those a lot of the Eagles fans are gonna wait until that that LSU game's done, or at least you know the the, the outcome is secure. It's not they're not gonna if you give them the choice. Like a lot of, like a lot of them are gonna be uh, walking around with. You know they, they'll have the blue and gold on for the knees, but they'll have some type of purple and gold uh, uh, shirt or something underneath. But um, no, I I love traveling in the conference because, like you say, it's, it's every everywhere is unique. Um, so far, I've I've been to every Southland Conference football uh, campus, not basketball. I think. The only basketball campus I haven't been to is uh, Texas and Corpus Christi. But I've been to, I've been, and I've been, I've covered a game at nine out of the eleven Southland schools uh, for football, and the only two that I haven't is uh, San Houston State and Houston Baptist. And Houston Baptist, <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 known it's, it's known. It's more infamous their stadium than uh, famous. But what about yeah, the man, purple and gray turf up in Central Arkansas? I, man, I tell you what, I love I love that trip. I did it twice. Um, you you remember that when I was in Beaumont, you sent me. I, I was able to go with the team. I yeah, kind of that uh, behind the scenes story. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. Um, just because you know it's just a different thing. You're on the you're on a bus for eight hours with the team. It's kind of like throwing back to when you're in college and uh you know you have to do that and so that was that was fun and then last year i made the trip up to uh conway via uh, by way of little rock um no i actually love that i think central arkansas is one of my favorite campuses in uh in the southland it's beautiful um i personally like the stripes of uca i know they're very polarizing but um i like them but uh the, the press box, I would, uh, I, I'll, I'll be kind. I'll say I expect a little, a little more from it, but uh, you know, not too bad. Um, but no, I, I really love it. But yeah, you, you just there's so many unique things about these about these different places, and um, you know, I like to see how fans respond. But it, but it's tough though when you're in this conference. Every school is dealing with a big school, so like UCA. Is dealing with Arkansas fans, even though Arkansas is like three hours away. Um, you know, every school in Texas has to deal with somebody. Every school in Louisiana has to deal with LSU. So it's tough, man. It's tough to get people out, but um, the people that do come out, uh, they're passionate. Like they're, I can say that for McNeese. Um, I can say Lamar. Uh, Lamar is still kind of getting used to, to to football again. You know, obviously, not having had it for what, twenty or thirty years, um, you know, you're just kind of used to not having it. So now, you got to get used to it. And then it's not like they jumped back in and they've been elite. They've had some good years, but they haven't consistently been good. So, you know, obviously, winning breeds more attendance. But uh, nah, man, the, the, the Southland is absolutely. Uh, I, I love it. It's definitely. FCA, one of the better FCS conferences uh, in the country, and I, it's been it's been really cool covering it. 
All right, let's talk about the team that you cover now, the McNeese State. It's been a few turbulent years uh, there for the Cowpokes. Um, definitely a passionate fan base. Uh, they've had some upheaval over the last couple of years with uh, one of their own being uh, ousted, parting ways with him, bringing in a guy who you even, I remember writing a column about, you're like, is this guy kind of the right fit? You know, and then he bails. You have the academic issue, but they sure do seem to have a guy that's going to bring some stability and a guy who can recruit his tail off in Frank Wilson. Oh, you know, you're entering another year here covering the Cowpokes. What, what, what do you make of where the program is at right now? And can it get back to that level of success of competing for conference championships and getting to the playoffs? I Manise got Manise struck gold hiring Frank Wilson. Like they really struck gold getting him. He first off he's a he's a Louisiana kid. Uh, you know, he graduated from Nichols, but he's a Louisiana guy. Um like you say he can recruit. I know he's still in the good graces of L S U fans because he was able to tap into the New Orleans uh pipeline and, you know, some of the best players from last decade for LSU are players that Frank Wilson recruited. Um, I think he'll be able to bring some of that to the news. Um, he, it's just different, man. Like, I'll tell you, yesterday I had an interview with him for, uh, I, was, I mean, this has been, you know, a few weeks in the making. Um and I talked to him for about 15 minutes on the record. And then we just talked about other stuff off the record, just, you know, being the coach. Um, and I'm not going to shy away from it. And I wrote a column about it in February. Yeah, February. You know, he, he's the first black head coach for the football program in the new history. And that is no small thing. Um, and it's going to come with people, you know, it's going to come with detractors because it always does. Um, and he, he knows he's one of those, he acknowledges the significance of it, but also is one of the people that just, yeah, he's like, Hey, I want to, I want to coach football and I want to make great young men. So he, I think he's the perfect fit. He's a, he's so much more personable than, uh, than the old head coach, uh, from last year, Stanley Gilbert. Um, he, like the amount of time I talked to him yesterday, probably about an hour. I don't think I talked to Gilbert for an hour in the entire. Like, if you add up all the time I talked to him, uh, not not including our press conferences, like not including the times when he was really required to speak. See, I, mostly he just you know he talked with me, and he just he's, he's a good guy. Um, he has a short leash. Not because of anything he did wrong, but because he's black. Like it, it happened, so he, he, <laughs> through no fault of his own, he's already he's kind of owing to, and, and like his record's already owing to him. Because when you when you are a a black coach, you have to do so much better just to kind of get the same looks, same you know feelings of satisfaction, but um. Now that he's, he's doing a great job recruiting, he's bringing in some, you know, he's utilizing the transfer portal, bringing in some talented guys. Uh, he's doing a great job of 
getting the team's grades right. I know when he was at UTSA, he took the team's GPA from a 1-5 to a 2-5. Uh, that's 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 major. Um, he's gonna have the Moose kids, I believe, doing pretty well uh, in the in the classroom. And once that happens, obviously it's gonna be tough this year. Um, I mean, you start the season out at ULL. That's I mean, it's gonna be a tough game no matter what. But then you also can't go to the playoffs. So it's it's all very tough because of the APR. Uh, sanctions, but I do think that he is a guy that can get this team eight to nine wins possibly. And if he if he does that, he'll set them he'll set the use up for a good twenty twenty one season. And twenty twenty one is a I mean, from a schedule perspective, it's it's pretty big because twenty twenty one they play uh they play a subdivision one game, but it's at West Florida, who won the Division II National Championship last season. Then you play at LSU. I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, then you go on the road and play at Youngstown State, you know, a traditionally strong program. Um, but I do think he has he has what it takes to lead him. He has a chip on his shoulder because the end of his uh, run at UTSA didn't go that great, and he acknowledges it. But he definitely wants to uh, turn this around. He knows if he does, you know, people will end up uh, really, they'll, they'll remember him here. So um, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited for um, for East this season, even without the playoffs. It's definitely given the potential there for, for a great season. I love the fact that, you refer to the Cajuns as ULL because that's just McNeese State fan base is cheering on right now as soon as they hear that. Now, look, you you walk into it because I remember when you got hired for the job, it was pretty quickly done uh, when you, you, you came uh, and got back into the industry and you took the job at the Lake Charles American Press as the McNeese State beat writer, and you kind of hit the ground running. How early in the process, T, did you figure out about the McNeese State Raging Cajuns rivalry and just how petty it can be and how passionate the Cowboy fans are about it. Oh, man. <laughs> that one was really quick. Um, I'll give you, so the first time I, the first game I covered between McNeese and U.S. See, actually, before I, before I say that, I'm going to go with what, what, what got me and what I stick with is actually using UL Lafayette because the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame refers to anybody from the school as UL Lafayette. And because the Louisiana Sports Hall, I remember when I was up there last year, I saw everybody that's from the school, it says UL Lafayette. It didn't say, so I was like, if that's if it's good enough for the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, then that's what I'm going to use in my stories, right? But before that, I, yeah, when I first got here, the first game I ever covered between the schools was a, a women's basketball game here in Lake Charles. And my when I first when I got here, my whole thing was look, I don't I can't necessarily say that I agree with them being called Louisiana. I wanted them to be called Louisiana. It's a it's kind of a weird weird kind of attempt at a power play by them. But 
in my head, I was like, all right, if that's what they want to be called, then that's what I'll call it. So I'm writing, I remember writing my game story and I send it in and I immediately get uh, a direct message, message on Twitter from uh, Warren Arsenal, my coworker, the, the prep. <laughs> Uh, the preps oh, love Warren, love Warren. And, and, and at this point, you know, I'm still new, and me and Warren, like, we're cool, like, we're very cool. But at that point, you know, he sends me a text, and he is like, yo, we don't we don't call them that here. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I don't, what? I was like, I was like, that's what they want to be called. Like, I don't care. But he takes it very seriously. So much so that he's like, did you know that Tulane University is the original Louis <laughs> University of Louisiana? I mean, you know, let's, he lets you know that. You gotta love, man, man, you, got, you gotta love Warren because you guys came over because uh, uh, the wife and I had season tickets last year, remember, for, for football because we want to support yeah. the local school. And we went and you and Warren came over and Warren's wearing green to this game. It was, what to say, it was, it, it, it might have been the App State game or, or something like that. It was one of the bigger games. Yeah, you look at Cajun Field, and there's only one cat wearing some like teal green look, and it was worn. And like he just didn't care. And he kept referred to them as <laughs> he kept saying yep. Lafayette yep. constantly. Yeah. So, so I remember. Not, it wasn't just Warren. It was my copy editor. Uh, he, he was like, "No, this is U- ULL or UL Lafayette, whatever." It's like not Louisiana. Then, of course, when that happened, I, of course, the story goes out how it's ended. I get I get an email, you know, from, you know, the university, the ULL, or I don't know if it's the athletic department or the school side, whoever it is, the, you know, their communications department is telling me, you know, hey, we saw your story and we just want to let you know this is how the athletics are referred to. And I'm like... Look, man, this ain't this is not a problem that you're gonna take up with me. This is a problem you're gonna have to take up with my editor chef the American press. Because <laughs> they're not changing it. They're not changing it. And um I remember so that was one thing. And then I remember one night, I don't know what it might have been ah oh, man, I cannot remember why, but I ended up talking to I mean niece Booster. And they were there like I he telling me, I sat there for about 45 minutes, and he was telling me stories about, like, why Nice and, uh, and ULL don't like each other, and, you know, go to hell USL, and I mean, it's it's just so much, and it's one of those things that I realized, it's more, the rivalry is more for the older fans, like, I, I don't, there's really no animosity for, uh, like, Nemeese, like, younger, like, younger students, they actually like going over to, to, to Lafayette sometimes because, you know, it's a little bit bigger city, you know, it's another school. It's really more for the older fans. Like, I think many older fans have already said because Mimis can't go to the playoffs this year, the game, the first game of the season is basically it. Like, it's the national championship. Um, that's, that, so, that's what I was going to ask you because it's been it's been a little while and look the, the the raging Cajun fans love playing McNeese too especially the older ones right anyone probably though over the age of fifty 
loves that because it's an older rivalry game for both of them. Just take a short drive on I-10 and you play each other. And, you know, football hasn't been playing as much. Now, baseball, because of Tony Robichaux, the, the late skipper for both McNeese and, and the Raging Cajuns, he made sure to play every year. In the other sports, they typically play. But the football game, there's buzz about it over here, D. What is it going on over there in the Lake Chuck area? Are people just enthralled with the season opener for the Cowboys and the Cajuns? Oh, absolutely. I, and the thing that's so disappointing, or potentially disappointing, I don't know what's, what's going to happen, but if, if the whole uh, COVID-19 thing ends up meaning that Cajun Field has to be at, like, you know, a partial capacity, that would be rough because that's, like, honestly, that's a game that I, I do think would sell out or come very, very close. Because, like you said, it's, it's the proximity, it's, it's really close, and the Nice fans will travel. So I do think that would be as, you know, about as close to a sellout as you could get there. Um, no, nah, man, they're excited. Like I said, I mean, like you said, they don't play as much anymore. Um, Nice usually, like from the, from some of the results, the older results I've seen, you know, they can beat them. They have beaten them. They'll be competitive. Um, this year's game, I'm kind of not, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried for me just because, I mean, you know, new coaching staff, it's going to be tough. Um, Mignish didn't even have spring practice. They were supposed to start, like, a couple days before, uh, or right a few days after uh, the Southland Conference and NCAA started canceling everything. It was when they were supposed to start on, um, I believe, March 17th. So they don't have spring practice. So they, they're going to have that finite amount of time to get ready. But, uh, but no, man, off, off the field, the new fans are ready to go, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go because I'll probably come over early, you know, get some, get some food at one of the, one of the restaurants there. I don't know. There's, there, uh, that's the thing. That's the thing I like about going to Lafayette is, um, you know, there, there's there's food options in the area that uh, I, I don't get in in, uh, in Lake Charles. Uh, there's a Jamaican restaurant over there that uh, I mean, you know, my parents are Jamaican, so there's a Jamaican restaurant over there that's really good, and uh, I want to say it's probably not too far from the stadium, but you know, I, I, it's it's going to be an exciting one. Um, the hype will be there. If, if assuming everything goes to plan and the game stays scheduled, I think yeah, man, it's going to be there'll be a lot of hype, and like you said, especially for the for the older fans, they'll be looking forward to uh, to that game. Do you want to talk about uh, before we uh, hang it up here on this episode of the Rap Game Podcast? I want to talk about kind of the reaction that you've received, both positive and negative with the columns that you've written the last few weeks. I know you wrote one a few weeks back that was uh, really powerful uh, about Black Lives Matter and just your perspective as an African-American man, including uh, an African-American man who has a parent that is not you know, is not from this country, that you know, immigrant perspective as well. And then you wrote one based on what's going on with the Confederate monuments 
and the Confederate flag, and that kind of took you down a rabbit hole with the Southland Conference, which I, I think a lot of people would be surprised by or just have no idea about. So tell us a little bit about uh, both the reaction to those, man. Yeah. Um, the reaction has been mostly positive. Um, honestly, I don't remember. So the one that I wrote a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember getting anything negative. Also, oh, no hate mail. There, there we go. Not that I, not that I got it. I was, I was expecting it, um, but I didn't. And then, uh, yeah, the one that I wrote uh, for Thursday, this past Thursday's paper, yeah, just um, like one day I was just kind of reading up because obviously right now in the country, a lot of different institutions are kind of having to be having to face their own reality of like, yo, our, we have a lot of kind of messed up stuff on our campus. Um, and so I just started to look, and I was like, well, I, mean, I I remember one day during the season, uh, I have a, there's a Twitter follower that said that, you know, he admired Francis Nichols because he, you know, defended the South. So, of course, that set off, like, you know, kind of a, a, a red flag alarm in my head. So, like, He's defending the South. Okay, defending the South means Confederate. Okay, so I was talking to him. I asked him why he thought that was worthy of admiration, and you know, kind of nibbled around the issue. Of course, it always ends up back to slavery, which is like what it was. Like you can say whatever you want about like, well, it was states' rights and this and that, but like states' rights for what? To to have slaves. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I went down the rabbit hole and I looked. I was like, all right, well, Francis T. Nichols, he was a Confederate general. Okay. That's pretty problematic. And and I wrote in my column, hey, if you, like, if these people, as in, like, a person like Francis Nichols had his way, then I wouldn't be here right now talking to you on this podcast. Um, I mean, football. You know, nothing would be the same. So I looked at other, I looked at the other, uh, other names in the conference, like, you know, what's their background? And I looked and I was like, most of them have some, have some problems. Some of them are, you know, problematic. Some are more so than others. But, um, you know, like Sam Houston, uh, yeah, he opposed, the, the spread of the, you know, he opposed the Confederacy and all that, but he still owned slaves at the time of his death. He only let them go because of, um, he only let them go because of the Emancipation Proclamation. I'm like, what, you know, it's like, you, you, it'd be like you, uh, uh, telling you, like, if you have to tell your daughter, like, hey, don't do that, like, you can't reward her only because you told her not to do it. Like, if she didn't, if she stopped doing something bad on her own, then you say, okay, that's different. But if it's only because you told her, like, I'm going to punish you, that's totally different. So I'm like, I can't give St. Houston all this credit because he got rid of the slaves because it was only based off of the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, Stephen F. Austin was a slave owner. Uh, Mirabeau Lamar, he owned slaves and he ordered the, like, in, like wiping out of Indian, uh, Native American tribes in Texas, like 
wildly problematic. Uh, I looked, I, I I did look for uh, John McNeese in in, uh, in in all fairness, and I couldn't find anything like that. He was a Union soldier. Uh, I, I couldn't find anything else like other than he was a Union soldier, moved down here, uh, and got into education. So yeah, so I wrote about it, and I was just like, look, man, um, there's a, I know cancel culture, you know, a lot, there's people that don't like it, don't like the phrase, don't like the concept because it's like, oh man, you know, somebody said something and you're just trying to get them out of here. Um, but I don't see it like that. Not in this case. This case is just like, you're trying to, you should be writing a historical wrong. Like why, why are you like, what's the need for, like there are so many schools in the state of Texas that are named after Lamar, Sam Houston, uh, Stephen F. Like, there's so many of them. Like, you're writing a wrong historically from from a, from a black perspective, right? And and a, a, something that's tough is some people just don't want to see it from a black perspective because it's an uncomfortable perspective to uh, to see it from. Because, like I said, if they had their way, we'd still be slaves. <laughs> like, those the people that were rooting for the Confederacy or rooting for slave ownership would still be, you know, that we would still, or not, hopefully we wouldn't still be in it, but it'd be a lot more likely if, you know, the South had, you know, won the Civil War and the Confederacy, you know, Confederacy succeeded and all that. But anyhow, I write the column, and at the very end, I mention that there is a monument uh, outside the Calcasieu Parish uh, courthouse that's an ode to the South's defenders, obviously, again, talking about the Confederacy. And I was just like, you know, you need to get rid of that, too. Um, and again, it was mostly positive. Um, my buddy that I used to coach with in Florida, he was like, David, look at where you live. You're in the deep south. And you only had at that point you only had one negative response. And um and when you when when he said it like that, I was like, Yeah, you're right. The problem is, man, is it was the one negative was such an ugly, vile email that it was like it was so hard to just ignore it as just one. And obviously, you know, I shared it with you because I, I, I it was one of those that I was like, I had to share it because I don't care. Oh, yeah what people think I don't care what people think about my writing or my reporting, right? Like that's there's a, there's so many people that think, you know, y'all you you suck at your right, whatever. I don't care about that. But the tone that, that that the tone that email took probably after the second paragraph got so dark, vile, racist that I was like, nah man, dude, like it actually did get to me. That's the first time in the what, almost five years, in uh, that's the first time in five years that I have uh, like I really had an email get to me. But um, besides all the ones that I used to secretly send you when we worked together in Beaumont, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, but but the thing the thing about it is, he's a he's a he put his name. Which I guess I can respect. But he put his name. Man, you, you, uh, you, that guy put his name on there and his telephone number. But I just like straight up when yeah. I, when, I, when you sent it to me, and I was like, this cat just was like 
just did not care, did not care. And when he had the line in there at the end that, you know, basically without slavery, uh, black people wouldn't be here in the in America. And I was like, oh, man, like you, you, you get to a point, D, where you, you just look, you, you can't talk to people like that. Right. I mean, there's nothing that you could have written. There's nothing that you could say. There, there's nothing that you could do to kind of change their perception, to change their way of looking at things. The only thing that you can do is keep doing what you're doing, keep grinding, keep being honest, and keep going out there because, yeah, you got one terrible, just heinous reaction to a column, but you know what? There's so many other people out there that read that and I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for writing that. And that's what you kind of kind of keep, you know, kind of keep focused on is that and not some guy who's just blatant with his prejudice and with his racism. Um, you know, you got to keep that email because it can serve as fuel, which I've done in the past as well. Be like, yeah, I got to keep doing better because there's people out here like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know we're almost uh, out of here, but I do. Yeah. I, I, the thing I said yesterday, it, it, it took me from like a, a, a sense of like sadness for a brief moment to a sense of like anger and defiance. I was like, okay, well you, you picked the right one to mess with because now I know he's like, I know you're in a, you're in a position of power within the, within Lake Charles. Like I know you now, thank you for letting me know that. And, and like you said, it just fuels me to, uh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to keep doing this. It's funny. I wrote a column in February Praising East because of the, like the athletic department has so many uh, uh, prominent black figures now, black new black head coach for football and for volleyball, and so many in the athletic department. And it's funny, I never got that type of email before, you know, when I when I brought race up. But now, you know, when it's something that's a little more uncomfortable, I get that. But uh, now nah, that I'm, he like I said. This, this this guy he picked the right one to mess with because uh, he's, he's he's gonna figure it out. He's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna feel what happens when you know it doesn't make sense to it doesn't make sense to be racist, but it definitely doesn't make sense to be a racist and put it in writing either. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, look man. You don't have to worry about going out to eat when you come over for the Raging Cajuns game, man. I'll just have you over to the house. The wife will feed you, and we'll take care of you that way, man. That way you can save a little money, bro. Hey, I'm all about that, man. You know, like I say, being a journalist, you got to <laughs> save money where you can. So you're right. You're right. And honestly, I'm hoping, that the, I'm hoping that it's even an option to have these restaurants open because, you know, it's, stuff, is, stuff is crazy right now. But, yeah, you know, I always – We'll, uh, you know, save some money and uh, all that, and we'll 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 get we'll get Hattie ready for the. Uh, I don't know if she's gonna have some trash talk ready for McGee's or what. Man, she she she, she ain't rolling with me. She's in the middle of dancing. She'll be distracted. <laughs> she, she she won't even. But you know what's crazy, man? She brought up something. She did like a little Father's Day thing. Um, she's in a daycare during the summer. Uh, you know, because we lost school for months. And so we, we, we needed her to have a like kind of a break, right? To be around kids and stuff. So she went back to her old daycare for the summer and they did this thing for Father's Day and it was a sheet of paper. And it said on there, you know, first of all, she thinks that her father's 90 years old, which is, uh, uh, 
I must look good. I must look good for 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 ninety. I mean, it's like you know, what's his favorite food? You know, noodles. What does he love to do? You know, uh, giving me a kiss and and uh, telling me that he loves me. And then she put on there, you know, uh, what is he really good at? And it's, she said cleaning. And I was like, what? Uh, I got you fooled. But then she said something on there like. I took her a couple of times. We took her to a couple of football games, and that really wasn't her thing. But she loves hoops. And one of the first places we took her seeing the saw the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome. And then I've taken her to probably two or three uh, Raging Cajun men's basketball games. And she loves basketball. She just, she just loves it. And on that little Father's Day thing, she goes, oh, yeah, if my, if my daddy could go anywhere, he would take me to go, uh, go to the Cajun Dome. I was like, how does she like, but it's crazy, man. It's crazy what kids remember in those experiences. So, um, yeah, if it was basketball, eh, she may be rooting against McNeese. But, I mean, uh, I think it'd be more like, uh, Daddy, can I have cotton candy? It's going to be a bigger priority for her than uh, rooting against either team. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that cotton, I'm sure that cotton candy will, will just be like fuel and keep her up for like days after oh yeah that. it'll be perfect so it'll be, it'll be what we'll do we'll just pump her full of cotton candy and then hand her off to a grandparent to spend the night so um and then they can deal they can deal with it <laughs> d man i appreciate you making the time out uh for me today brother it's great going back uh, kind of down memory lane of us working together and our experiences with the southland conference and uh look man keep up the great work over there at the lake charles american press keep you uh keep uh doing great things over there covering me state man and I can't wait to see you again and hang out, and uh, we'll uh, have to get some uh, some hot chicken and uh, get a couple cold ones next time we see each other, bro. Man, that would be great. No, thanks, man. You know, I appreciate it. I love coming on, talking with you, and uh, chopping it up. So uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But, no, no I, love, I love you, man. I appreciate it. Got it, man. Love you too, D. Have a great one, brother. All right, man. Talk to you later. David Barry good friend heck of a reporter and a guy out there man he's got a bright future in this business he's honest does great reporting good writer and even a better guy gotta wrap it up latest episode of the rap game podcast is in the books make sure to tune in next week we'll drop another episode maybe baseball centric now that we got major league baseball coming back work on something there work on something there for you but until then y'all be safe out there be kind to one another and we'll talk to you next time on the latest episode of the rap game podcast until then i'm out